Well, hey everyone, welcome to the Unwinding Wonder podcast. My name is Izzy, and I don't know what you're doing right now. If you're driving in the car, if you're sitting down with a cup of coffee, sitting in your room, no matter what your situation is, I'm so excited that you decided to spend some time today to join me in this conversation that we are going to have on the very first episode. Today, I want to talk about where the podcast came from and just the heart behind this idea of unwinding the wonder of God. So sit down, grab a pen and paper or you know just whatever's comfortable for you and let's dive right in all right hey everybody welcome to the very first episode of unwinding wonder this is really really exciting i am just I don't even know, just beaming with excitement and joy just over the fact that this is actually happening. Um, if I know you, hey, so happy you decided to join me. But if I don't know you, I just wanted to take a little bit of a second just to introduce myself. My name is Izzy. Um, I don't even know exactly how to describe myself completely, but just a little bit about me. I am a college student. I currently go to school at LSU. I just finished my freshman year. Um, I'm plugged in with a ministry there. I'm in a sorority. Um, I love my family. I love music. I love all things creative. I don't even know. I was telling my mom, I was like, I feel like I need to introduce myself a little bit. Um, But I didn't know exactly what to say. So, hopefully that did okay but yes i'm so excited to be here today um like i said in the intro my heart for this episode is really just to explain where the whole podcast came from and just um what god has revealed to me in the whole process about what it means to unwind the wonder of god and so i'm super excited to dive right in I want to pray real quick just to get started, and then we will talk about it. So, God, I just thank you so much for who you are, Lord, and just for the honor and the privilege that I have, Lord, um, just to be sitting in my kitchen, out of microphone, Lord, but just talking to people about you. God, I pray that you would just um, bless this conversation, Lord, and use it in ways that only you can, Lord. I thank you, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, I'm not even going to lie. This is my second time recording this episode all the way through, and it's probably like my hundredth clip of just random things because um, God definitely gave me the ability to be able to talk to a brick wall, which it's funny because I'm actually facing a brick wall right now, but I guess I didn't realize until it was like actually time to do it how interesting it is to try to get used to this concept of like talking to people but being in a room by yourself with a microphone you know like you kind of need it to be a quiet space so it's just something to get used to so just bear with me a little bit but yeah I promise this is the last time I'm gonna say this but I just wanted to talk about the heart behind the podcast today I think in the whole preparation process for me, I feel like God has taught me so much and I'm really excited to share it with you. Um, So just a little bit of background. When I was 14 years old, I started a blog and 
I named it Unwinding Wonder. And honestly, there probably was like some kind of story back then. But really and truly, like deep down, I have no idea at all where that came from. Um, I don't even know. I think I just thought it sounded cool. And maybe I'm a little biased, but I like still think it sounds kind of cool. I love it. But fast forward a few years because... I will be 19 in like just a few weeks now. But so like whatever the math is for that, like somewhere between four to five years later, I was at a retreat this past August in my sweet friend Lucy's living room. And um, there was a session in the retreat called the Dream Lab. And basically it was just encouraging you to maybe kind of like uproot any dreams God had given you that maybe you had just like pushed to the side for many reasons. And I like thought about this idea of starting a podcast a good few times, but yeah, I probably just kind of like pushed it away. And in this session of the retreat, God just really brought it to the forefront of my heart. And it was just so loudly in front of me and I was like okay I guess this is something that I'm supposed to do and I honestly got really 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 excited about it but what I didn't know was that there was going to be this like nine month process leading up to this moment now where God was just going to prepare me for what this was going to look like and it has just been really cool and there's a lot of things that I've learned that I hope I get to share with you guys in the future but kind of in this in the midst of this like okay this is something that I feel like I'm supposed to do I immediately was like still attached to the name unwinding wonder but I was kind of like I don't even know what I meant when I said that when I was younger and so I kind of just started going on the search of like what does this even mean and God just immediately showed me the beauty of understanding that the wonders of his faithfulness and his love are all around us in every moment and what it really looks like to have a heart to seek to know that more. And so I am just so excited about this conversation today because it is something that has built up over the past nine months of my life and it's been very perspective shifting. So um, let's get into it. I don't know. That was a little word jumble. I'm going to do that a lot. So just bear with me. But the first thing that I want to talk about is just the definitions of unwind and wonder that come up when you look them up on Google. When I looked up unwind, the definition was to become uncoiled or untangled. And the definition of wonder is a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. And a lot of sense came to me kind of just when I read that. Um, Just because, and I want to preface, I don't think that we are saved by knowledge. I believe that we are saved by grace, but I think whenever we fall into grace, there's a desire to know more. And um, I've kind of found a little bit about me that I'll probably share later on but I kind of grew up in ministry a little bit and it almost felt a little backwards sometimes because I kind of learned discipline in my walk with God long after being in ministry for a little while so sometimes I feel like growing up 
you know, I would taste and see the goodness of the Lord. But whenever I desired to know him more, it just felt like a lot of these people who were I was around who were a lot more spiritually mature than me just had so much more figured out than me. And sometimes it just felt intimidating. And I would see all that there is to know about God just to be a lot. And just this definition of unwind to become uncoiled or untangled like it's true it just kind of felt like a lot in front of me and then even when I would hear people say things like you could never fully understand God or there's always more like while those were always supposed to serve as encouragement I would always find myself kind of intimidated but the point that like the first point that I really want to drive home is that it's not intimidating the fact that you cannot know everything about God the fact that he is limitless and the fact that he is so good beyond anything that you could ever imagine and there's always more you can always grow in your relationship with him is such a gift and it's not something that's intimidating and so The first thing I wanted to do was just maybe like sweep across that misconception because how beautiful and what a joy that he is so limitless. His goodness and his faithfulness is so beyond our imagination. And every single day you could spend every second of your life seeking to know him and he's always willing to reveal more of himself to you. And I just think that that is so beautiful and when I think about the wonder of God and what it looks like to stand in wonder of him this feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful and inexplicable there's so many directions you could go in because that is literally the essence of God something so beautiful that you cannot help but just stand there and stand in awe and wonder but I feel like there's no better place to start and there's nowhere that I would rather start in this conversation than just talking about the gospel and the fact that since the fall of man, we were dead in our sin and God sent his perfect son to die a death that he didn't deserve so that we could live and walk in a life that we don't deserve so that we could live in the wonder of his faithfulness, the wonder of his love. And not only that, then he sent the Holy Spirit so that we could be made more like him and we could have an aid and we could have an advocate to teach us to be more like him. If you know me, you've probably heard me say this before, but I am such a visual learner. So I use a lot of visuals. I'll probably talk about a lot of visuals, but I just think a lot about The fact that like my relationship with God is very similar to relationships that I have with other people, Um, especially like just coming out of my first year of college, I think about all the friends that I made through rushing, through getting plugged into a ministry, all of these things. And it's like I think about the first time I hung out with them and while those times are so sweet and everything, it's so different than what I think about when I think about what it's like when I hang out with them now. Because as I've gotten to know them, I've picked up on a lot of their mannerisms. I've picked up on a lot of the things that they say and we kind of mimic each other when we're together. But I think it's so cool because I think our relationship with God functions a lot of ways 
a lot the same way. Like not only did he die so that we could live in freedom, but he made a way so that in our relationship with him, we could learn his characteristics and we could learn to be like him. And I just think like that alone is more than enough to just sit back and just be amazed at the wonder of his love. Another thing that I look at a lot, I'm in the middle of studying the book of Genesis and I've been taking it super slow, but I read, I started it a few months ago and I remember sitting down and reading Genesis 1 and like for me, I grew up going to church um, consistently and then I grew up in a Christian elementary school, a Christian middle school, a Christian high school. And I am so grateful for that. But Genesis 1 is just one of those things that became so familiar to me, this story of creation. And a lot of times I feel like these more mundane moments where I found myself or find myself reflecting on the wonder of God is a lot of times in nature, like just being outside and seeing um the sky, whether at night or during the day or at sunset or at sunrise, just seeing the way that God paints the sky or um, just feeling the wind or I don't even know, just being outside and being like, wow, this is so crazy. Like I'm standing in the midst of God's creation. But the last time that I read Genesis 1, I was in the same process of going through a curriculum to prepare to release the podcast. And just so heavily reflecting on this idea of the wonder of God and desiring to know it more. And reading Genesis 1 through that lens, I was like, this is so insane because I'm reading about God creating the world. And I'm just having this constant, like sobering thought of he never had to do that. Like when you read about it and you read about the way that he set the moon and the stars in the sky and he filled the seas and all of these amazing like things that you can't even wrap your mind around to think about all of those being testaments of his love and he never had to do that and that is something that I could never wrap my mind around but you just see all throughout his being and who he is and who he has been and who he will be there's just this confidence that he lavishes is he lavishes us in love that he never has to lavish us in. And when I was preparing for this, I read Ecclesiastes 3 and I love that chapter. I feel like Solomon is very poetic and I used to enjoy reading that, but um Ecclesiastes 3 talks a lot about time and it says there's a time to build up there's a time to break down and it has about like 15 lines like that and he just goes through all of these things basically saying you know there's time for this there's time for that and ecclesiastes 311 right after he gets done with that he says he talking about god has made everything beautiful in its time and he has also set eternity in the human heart Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And I read this the first time and I was like, wow, these are three really cool statements, but I kind of counted them all as separate when really and truly they're all intermingled and they all go together. He has made everything beautiful in its time. But what does this line, he has also set eternity in the human heart, mean? Um. And just like whenever I got really into this, I just thought 
this was so eye-opening and it's something that like maybe seems obvious but I think that we are so quick to like not live our life in the frame of this mindset and just talking about God setting eternity in the human heart what that means is that God created us to be satisfied by him He is the only thing that is eternal. He is the only thing that is sustaining. And when it says that he set eternity in the human heart, he created us to be satisfied by him. But since we're sinful, our flesh craves to be satisfied by things that are not him. And, you know, no one can can fathom the depths of who he is and how good he is. But I think that that's really cool and beautiful that we were created to love and know him more. And I think that it is very perspective shifting just to understand this concept that you were created to only be satisfied, like have that deep satisfaction by him. And I always think about this, but my mom for all my life has been telling me about this speech that she gave in college. And she said it was kind of hard to work up the nerve, but she gave this speech on this idea of a God-shaped hole. And here's another visual, but it was just this idea that in your heart, you have a hole that nothing can fit except for God. Nothing. And that is just a good visual for the fact that we were wired to thirst for him who only satisfies. And we see all over the Bible that he is living water. And this idea that he is living water. And, you know, I really believe we all fall short of the glory of God and find ourselves in this mindset that I find myself in so much like I think that this was why this was so world shattering because I am just like I don't even know I just find myself in this trap of a mindset all the time that I will be satisfied when blank and the thing is we're so quick to notice certain thoughts that we have and certain desires we have that are sinful but I think some of them just get kind of pushed under the rug because some of these things that we look to to satisfy us are not innately bad like don't laugh at me because I know I'm so young but for me like one of these things is I just think all the time about the day that I'm a mom or just the day that I have a family and there is absolutely no nothing wrong with desiring something like that but it's whenever I get in this mindset that I will feel satisfied with my life one day whenever I have kids and one day whenever I get to fulfill that desire to be a mom and what I'm saying is I just think sometimes these things that we look to to satisfy us instead of God they're really and truly not innately bad but what we don't realize we're doing is we're turning our desires into idols and that is just an extremely 
dangerous place to be because if God wired you to thirst for him alone and to thirst and be satisfied by his goodness, if you are looking to other things to satisfy you, you're completely missing the point of what you were created for. And you're missing all these opportunities to grow and know him more. And um, honestly, once college kicked off, I kind of got really, really busy. But over the summer, I always find myself loving to read. And I started reading right before school started Nothing to Prove by Jenny Allen. Such a good book. But pretty much like the whole time I was in school, I put it down. Well, this past weekend, it's cool how God works because I opened it for the first time where I had left off. And I started reading the chapter titled No Longer Thirsty. And um, it literally was about exactly what I'm talking about today. And I just wanted to share some of the wisdom that she shares in this book because it's so powerful. But she starts talking about the culture that we live in that is obsessed with consumption. And... You know, you may be listening, you may be like, I'm not obsessed with consumption, but no matter where you feel, you fall on this line of obsession. Um, No matter what, we all live in a world today that has consumption of the world more at our fingertips than it ever has been. Just with technology and social media and all these movements, like, Netflix, like all these things that are around us, we have so much accessibility to consumption. But if you just lay this out in front of you and you look closely at it, you will notice that there's this paradox almost where the more you consume of the world, the thirstier you are. Like I have been watching, well, I've always loved the show Gilmore Girls and now I've been loving the show Friday Night Lights but you know like I watch it and I love these episodes and it feels so fun and like it always feels like a good way to like unwind at the end of the day but as soon as one episode ends I'm like not even letting the little Netflix button play through next episode I'm like clicking it immediately and it's like you know, the more I consume, the thirstier I actually am. And that applies in so many areas. When I think about success, it's like, as you get older, you see how fun it can be to make money. But the second you make money, you're immediately thinking like, what am I going to make money from next? And it's not satisfying. And she goes on to talk about how wonder is synonymous with joy, which I just love so much. But I'm going to directly quote her on these couple paragraphs that she writes in this chapter. She says, joy is defined as the emotion of great delight or happiness caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying. Exceptionally good or satisfying. By contrast, The definition of entertainment is an agreeable occupation for the mind, diversion, and amusement. And then she says, we were made for wonder, but we've settled for entertainment. God built us to crave true, fulfilling joy. But for many of us, that God-given craving for heart satisfaction has driven us past God himself, who was meant to be the fulfillment for those desires toward a drug that dulls the ache of dissatisfaction and disappointment, but never truly satisfies us. 
And when I read that, my jaw just kind of dropped because I was like, wow, this thirst that we have so naturally, God gave us so that we could thirst for him. But we have so many things to consume right at our fingertips. And we let that desire go over him, like she said, and we go straight to things that will just entertain us for a second, that will just divert us for a second, that will just amuse us for a second. All of these things that aren't actually eternal, that aren't actually lasting and fulfilling. We are so quick to turn our desires into idols. Ephesians 4, 22 to 24, Paul writes, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And then 1 Peter 1, 24 to 2, verse 3 says, For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. And the grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. And like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. When I read both of these passages of scripture, this may seem a little bit obvious, but it was something that stuck out to me as a new perspective that in Ephesians, when it says, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. And then in first Peter, when it says crave pure spiritual milk, I noticed that these were commissions. These were commands that were being given. Like, hey, you, you should be making a conscious effort to know more. You should be making a conscious effort to grow in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And I absolutely love my study Bible. But when I was reading through these verses in 1 Peter, there was a little section that talked about this concept of craving pure spiritual milk so that you can grow in your salvation like newborn babies do. And it was just talking about how little kids always want to grow up. They always do. And I started thinking about all these little things that like I wanted to be one day or be able to do one day that were such fine details but I remember like my mom would be sitting in her office typing on a keyboard and the one thing the one reason I just wanted to be an adult so bad was because I wanted to be able to type that fast on a keyboard or I was so obsessed with like the whole checkout experience at the grocery store like putting the groceries on the conveyor belt and then the little beep and then like bagging them, typing on the computer. Like I just wanted to grow up so I could check someone out at the grocery store. I even remember I went through this little phase where I would like take groceries out of our pantry and I would put them on the treadmill and, you know, whatever. Turning on a car blinker. Like I wanted to be old enough to drive so that I could turn the blinker on. And it's just like, I think about this fact that when I was a kid and I wanted to grow up, it was the most fine details that I desired. And it just caught me thinking, why do we taste the goodness of God? Why do we get a glimpse of maturity and then stay stagnant? 
And when I started thinking about this, I looked up the definition of stagnant. And it says, usually talking about a body of water or the atmosphere of a confined space, having no current or flow and often having an unpleasant smell as the consequence. When you taste and see of the goodness of God, and then it does not direct the flow or the current of your life, and you don't move and have your being accordingly, nothing comes of that. And that's why I want to draw so much attention because God drew so much attention when I read these passages. Like I said, in the nine months of preparation for this very moment, I just noticed like these are commissions in the Bible to crave. I was created to desire this and I was commanded to be made new in the attitude of my mind so that my heart's true desire is to unwind the wonder of God and to know him more and to give him glory. I don't want to be stagnant. And when I read this definition of um, how it said whenever it no longer has a current or flow, it produces an unpleasant smell. and it made me think of a story that's in all four gospels, the story of Jesus being anointed by the sinful woman. Um, And I'm going to read it from Luke chapter seven, verses 36 to 50. Um, It says when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house, and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And there was so much to unpack when I read this. Um. Scholars believe that the perfume that the woman poured over Jesus' head um, was worth a year's worth of wages. And so she comes in here and she is known as this insanely sinful woman. And she comes and she weeps at Jesus' face. And then she wipes the tears with her hair. And then she pours a perfume worth a year's worth of ages all over 
him. And the Pharisees are like, whoa, 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 whoa. This man must not be a prophet because he doesn't understand who this woman is that is touching him. And Jesus kind of said, no, you don't understand because the way that she's treating me right now um, in the other gospels, there's multiple accounts of Jesus saying this woman has done a beautiful thing to me. But in this one, he tells the parable and he says, neither of the people could pay Jesus back so or could pay the moneylender back. So he just forgave both of their debts. But which one do you think? The one who had the bigger debt. And what he was trying to communicate was it doesn't matter what desire she's been pursuing out there because she came in and she pushed all that aside and she understood the wonder of my love for her and she understood the forgiveness that I extend to her and she sat at my feet and she wept and she anointed me with this perfume that is so precious to her. She gave it all for me. And in this very moment, there is nothing more than she desired that she desired than me. And it is because she understands the forgiveness that you don't really seem to understand because I came in your house and you're not doing any of this stuff for me. And Jesus just sets it out so plainly. But in John 12, when it talks about this story, it talks about the aroma filling the house. But the same woman who had lived a life chasing desire so contrary to God came and threw everything aside to pursue him and desire him and to sit and reflect on his goodness. And I really believe she desired to be transformed. And at the end of the story, Jesus says, your faith has healed you so you can go in peace. And I read that and was just amazed. But the other thing I was thinking is I don't want to be like a Pharisee who is blind to the transformation of God's love and the power of God's love. But I want to be the woman who goes and sits at his feet and just gives this wild expression that I desire him over anything else. Another thing that Jenny Allen said in the book, Nothing to Prove, she says the nearness of Jesus is enough to infuse joy in the midst of everyday experiences. But why don't we live as if we believe that? Why don't we live as if we believe that? John 15 talks about this idea of remaining in the Lord. And my friend posted on his Instagram story the other day um, this post from Ian Simpkins. I hope I said that right. And it simply just said, a plant doesn't grow by being dipped in soil once a week. The invitation isn't to visit the vine. It is to abide in it. And Jesus gives this demonstration in in John 6, 15, that he's teaching this idea that you need to abide in me and the branches that don't abide will be cut from the vine. And I wanted to highlight just these few verses at the end of this passage in John 15 verses 9 through 11. And Jesus says, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. He's like, look, just remain in me. You're so tempted to go be rooted in all these other things. But I have told you this so that my joy, my satisfaction, what is lasting may be in you and that your joy may be complete, that you may be satisfied. And 
I've just realized that when you wake up in the morning and you have breath in your lungs, um, when there's oxygen around you, all of these things are miracles and all of these things are in front of you every day. And sometimes we just fail to realize that the wonder of God is in front of us in every moment. And just through the whole podcast, and I'm probably going to say this a few times, but just through the whole podcast, my heart and my desire and what I'm asking God to do in me is just to make me have a heart to seek the wonder that's right in front of me. Because he's been so gracious to give us access and to allow us to live in that. And I just want to hone in on this point that you're commissioned and you're commanded to crave more. And the more you unwind, the more you are changed. And it's such a joy to know him more. And there's two realizations that I wanted to share that I feel like were big things that kind of encapsulate a lot, but um, just so powerful to understand about the wonder of God and part of just sharing the gospel with you in this very first episode. But number one, I just want to drive home that the limitless goodness and wonder of God is not circumstantial. And if no one's ever told you before, I just want to let you know that there's nothing you could do. There's nothing that you have done in your past. There's nothing that has been done to you. There's nothing that will happen to you. There's nothing you will do that will change the weight and the reality of the wonder of his goodness and love in your life. It will not change his desire to know you more. It will not change his longing to have this commitment with you. You see all over the Bible when when Jesus and his ministry went to people and he told them, look, I have something that is lasting. You see it all the time in situations where you never would have imagined it. And I was telling my mom the other day, I'm like, I'm sure there was so much of Jesus ministry that isn't in the Bible, but I think God was so intentional to put so much of his ministry that was with people, never people that others never would have expected. I mean, Jesus met with prostitutes. Jesus met with, um, thieves he met with literally everyone that you could ever imagine and he said it's not over it's not circumstantial and romans 8 31 to 39 um says what then shall we say response in response to all these things if god is for us then who can be against us he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. And catch this part. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Just over and over again, I just want and hope for you to know that there's nothing that separates you from this wonder. And the second thing that I wanted to say, I saw this quote somewhere and I wish I wrote down where I saw it. 
but it said when you are leaning into the character of God, it produces a humility in you. And I just want you to know that if there's one thing that I've learned, it's just that I always need him. And I want to wake up every morning wanting him, needing him, desiring him. But the more and more that you spend time with him and get to know him and grow to understand him more, you will always realize that his way of life and his plans are better. And that does not mean that life is easy. And I I mean, there are so many things I've witnessed that I've been through that I don't understand. And I don't know that I will ever understand on this side of heaven. But when I know that I'm serving a God who is so beyond my imagination and inexplicable yet beautiful, it's so easy to trust him. And it's so easy to kind of loosen my grip on these things that maybe I want to hold on to that maybe he doesn't have in the plan for me. Um, and just kind of encompassing both of these points, Philippians 4, 12 to 13, Paul writes, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And Paul just says, look, I've been through so many situations. And oh my goodness, if you read through the Bible and you read through the life of Paul, I mean, he went through so much. And he says, I've just learned to be content because it's the strength of God. And it's the wonder of him. And it's the wonder of what he's done. And it's the wonder of what he's doing that gives me strength. So I don't have to worry. And just in this whole thing that we've talked about, I wish I could spend so much time going into this, but just some people in the Bible that I've come across as I've been in preparation for this, just Moses in Exodus 3, when God called him to go and ask Pharaoh to set the people free, Moses asked him all these questions like, what if they ask where I came from or what if they don't believe me and I have a speech impediment and he gives God all these things and God is like if they ask who sent you tell them that I am sent you and there's this like deep dive that you can study on that dialogue and I recommend it it is really cool but all in all it comes down to the root of God saying look I have dominion over all of this and you just need to trust me and God shows him all these signs and wonders and he's like look you can go forth and you see further in the story the amount of things that God did through Moses and I really and truly believe that that was because when Moses shifted his perspective from oh my goodness this is scary to God is so good and I can trust him when he understood more of the wonder and the goodness of who God was he moved forward in freedom Same thing with Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. They get thrown into prison on their way to pray for absolutely no reason. And this is such a great story, but they get in the jail cell. Scholars say that their feet were literally chained into the floors and they just begin to worship God. And I'm always convicted when I read that story because I'm like, I don't know if that's how I would honestly respond in that situation. But you see the way that God works through that. But it was the fact that they understood that God was great, that his wonder was not circumstantial, and that the situation wasn't in their own hands. 
And then in 2 Corinthians 12, you have another example with Paul in the thorn of weakness. And he says that he pleaded three times for the Lord to take it away from him. And God said, look, my power is made perfect in your weakness and my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is enough for you. My grace is satisfying and my power is made perfect in your weakness. And there's a million things you see um, what the confidence and the wonder of God does all over the Bible. And I just wanted to ask these questions. And it's a question I'm asking myself every day. But is it your heart's true? Like really, 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 really. Is it your heart's true desire to know him more? Do you really have a heart that seeks to unwind his wonder? And um. I wanted to close with Psalm 16. It's a psalm that David wrote, and I'm just going to read through it. It says, Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, You are my Lord, and apart from you I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion in my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will also rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence and with eternal pleasures at your right hand. All in all, like I already said, the heart behind this podcast is just to bring attention to the wonder of God that is so real and so around us. Um, And just to let you know that God wants to be in communion with you. But I also just want to unwind all these things that are products of living a life that has a heart to seek the wonder of God. Because there's things like the fact that when you start unwinding the wonder of God, you can't help but share it with others. And it changes the way you look at things in your life. It's totally perspective shifting. And I'm so excited to, in the future, get more into that. But I hope that you will join me. Um, Nobody's perfect, but just asking God to give you a heart and a heart posture just to seek him, to know him more, to love him more. So I want to pray before we close out this episode. And so, yeah, God, I just thank you so much again for who you are, Lord, and just the wonder of your love and your faithfulness that is all around us. Lord, I pray that... um, as all of us sit on this conversation, God, that you would just show us the areas of our lives, Lord, where maybe we're looking for something else to satisfy us, God. And I pray you would just refine us, that you would remove those things, God, and just soften our hearts, Lord, to you. And um, just give us hearts to seek you more and more, just to be aware of where we can remain in you more and more, where we can abide in you more and more. Lord, I just thank you for every person listening to this. God, you know exactly where they are. Um, 
And I pray, Father, that you would just meet them there and they would just have a hyper awareness of your presence in their life. Lord, I love you and I thank you and give you all the glory, honor, and praise. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. so much for listening to the very first episode of unwinding wonder be sure to follow on instagram at unwinding wonder you can always dm me if you want to talk about anything or have any questions prayer requests whatever and stay tuned for new episodes every wednesday thank you